We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Tuesday, July 27th edition of the RotoWare NFL Podcast, sponsored by Dynasty Owner. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. And joining alongside me is my co-host from last year, Jake Letarski. We're back. We're back and ready to do every Tuesday podcast moving forward. I'm excited. Yeah, man, it is excellent to be back, of course, during the season. This is a waiver wire podcast, but uh, we're going to try to like search through all these different topics and maybe try to find some unique ones, some basic ones to kind of get us through this first month leading into what's going to be one of the more unique NFL seasons, I think, since either of us have started in this job due to the, the whole COVID thing. There's a lot that can change before then. We're already anticipating no preseason, so yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, we're going to have plenty of our work cut out for us when it comes to the 
pickup sections that we do when the season starts, and hopefully there will be a season for the entire time. But until that point and kind of leading up, we're going to be going over a lot of different draft strategies, whether it be best ball, dynasty, keeper leagues. I feel like we're going to talk a lot about that. We focused last year during this time period about auction leagues. I feel like that's going to be probably a focus mm-hmm. too, especially I heard in the rumor mill that the stake league, Red Wire Stake League, is happening again too. So I'm excited about that. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to have some kind of uh, auction there. And yeah, we did talk about auction strategy a lot last year. If you really want to archive those podcasts, a lot of those tips still hold true. Today, I wanted to talk about dynasty strategy, particularly first year dynasty strategy, because both of us are, are fresh off a big staff league we did. And I know nobody cares about our fantasy team, so we're not going to go too much into that. But uh, we're going to try to apply those principles so they can help you. And this normally isn't, you know, a dynasty centered podcast. Podcast. So hopefully in the back half, we'll uh, talk about some players and, and, and maybe throw some redraft notes in there too. The first half will be more, I, I see this limited to uh, terminology, explanation, how to start one, why to start one, um, and then just some general positional observations that we've seen in our experience in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, Dynasty Leagues are some of my favorite ones altogether. I have a friends and family Dynasty League that probably needs to get a little bit revised uh, based off the circumstances and maybe a few owners dropping out. But we've done a few a few RotoWire ones. I think I'm in four right now and actually going to be part of a fifth one starting up. And it works in conjunction with our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. Uh, I've been looking for a new challenge when it comes to Dynasty stuff, which is why I've been playing Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football this season. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. Leagues are forming now. That's DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. We've all been in a league where the winner just gets lucky. If you're like me and know you're better than the most, Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. Dynasty Owner favors skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap. It adds an entirely new level of strategy. Again, go to DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's dynastyowner.com slash RotoWire. Dynasty Owner, start your dynasty owner today. All right. That's just perfect, isn't it? Uh, it is. Our it it fits in right dynasty. there. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that. Yes. When we were thinking about trying to start up with this topic, you know, I looked around, you know, I always like to kind of monitor what some of the other podcasts are doing, you know, so we're not repeating things that have just been beat to death. And, you know, I looked through all the popular podcasts, especially the fantasy football ones. And I didn't see much on, on dynasty strategy alone, let alone first year dynasty strategy. So uh, I'm glad to get going with that. And uh, I just want to mention a couple great supplemental pieces. Uh, you know, Mario Puig, He's he's really he's one of our, our excellent football writers. He specializes in dynasty. He's got a dynasty watch column on the website that he's been maintaining very consistently throughout the offseason. So if you want a deeper, deeper dive into dynasty, I very much recommend reading him. He also maintains dynasty rankings uh, for the website. So we'll refer to those a few times, our dynasty rankings, uh, as we start to talk about players a little bit on the back half. And of course, you can always get that stuff, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial. Yeah, and also throw in, as somebody that does the Ask an Expert feature for the the site. Uh, I've seen a lot of people ask questions pertaining to rookies and where we value them. We also have a rookie specific ranking section in our NFL in our NFL portfolio. So if you're looking for just the rookies and drafting them this year, we do have those uh, updated as well. So just keep in mind of that. So all right, we're in, we're going to this dynasty format. You let's pretend Jake that you are a uh, first time person or first time dynasty owner or think about starting a dynasty league. Mm-hmm. Why is this format better than a traditional redraft one? Because I know you have the answer to it. Mm-hmm. Well, it rewards it rewards good drafts, obviously, more than a redraft one, because 
you get to keep your guys an indefinite amount of time. I think this is a perfect place to start by kind of differentiating. You might have a keeper league, say, where you get to keep two guys from year to year, and if it's an auction, maybe you keep them at the price you had last year, and it and it gets reduced from your budget. Or if it's a snake draft, maybe you have to forfeit the uh, the draft position that you had and. And, and there's it's a limited amount of keepers. There's usually a limited of time you can keep them. That's just your standard keeper league. When we talk dynasty leagues, we're talking you get to keep between 10, 15 players or even the entirety of your roster if you want, and you get to keep them indefinitely. So if you get a if you're the guy that is ahead of the whole field on one of those one dollar players or one of those late round flyers that turns into a stud, you're just putting yourself in excellent shape for dynasty formats for years and years to come. And then just to, of course the terminology thing, I want to I want to separate that from a Devi league, which will go as far as letting you take college players and uh, and getting those guys on your team. So guys like Jonathan Taylor, uh, J.K. Dobbins, those players, those would already be off the board if you were doing a first-year Dynasty League this season. So we're, we're going to try to focus on Dynasty formats, keep players indefinitely, high amount of keepers, low penalty for keepers, and just NFL not going before college is yeah. kind of where we're shooting. And, and yeah, so to go back to your question full circle, the big thing is uh, you have a good draft, you find the good sleepers, you're ahead of the field, you get to be rewarded for that indefinitely and that's what's great about dynasty yeah, in my opinion it's a huge advantage to knowing what you know or at least going with your gut and making the calls we'll go over it a little bit more but clyde edwards hilaire uh the first running back selected in this past draft when rotoware did their uh first ever dynasty draft mario selected him i think uh, in round six or seven or something like that and right now even look at just in a redraft format his adp value mm-hmm. is at the back end of the second round early third round so that's the type of value that you're talking about when you know your stuff and make the right call with some of these players mm-hmm. and and that can happen in the the Devi sense or even in the keeper sense too. But Dynasty in particular emphasizes emphasizes that value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's totally a topic for another day. But I mean his his ADP Edward Solaire specifically is getting a little out of control in your standard league. So uh, you know we can discuss that another time. I think it's almost uh, leveled off because of the other promise of some of the other rookie running backs when we get to dynasties. But um, so. Auction snake, I mean, you can do it both ways. We did a snake draft, a slow draft. It was a great way to pass time during the pandemic. I loved it. I loved it, man. I I could queue up all my players, get to do deep dives on all these rookies, and you'd have, you know, a day sometimes between picks or at least six hours. You know, you just have your computer up on the side, doing whatever the heck else you need to be doing for work or around the house and uh, check your guys. So I really enjoyed the snake slow draft, especially because it's a lot tougher to get. 12, 14 people together for the three-hour amount of time you need to do an auction. Um, This is a new concept that's not really popular in fantasy football yet, but I did a slow auction. Oh, for uh, for, okay. for an MMA dynasty league, and this is totally off offbeat from. I, I won't go into the details of that, but basically, you would nominate a player at the minimum price, and then like an eight-hour clock would start, and you would have that much time to upbid the owner. And if you upbid, it would go for another three hours, and then the clock would stop. At night, you know, between you know eleven o'clock and seven in the morning, or something like that, and then all the clock the clocks would start again. So, a slow auction, I guess, is a possibility to look at uh, in if you're starting a new dynasty league this year. Generally, I prefer auctions over snakes because you have. Uh, you know, snakes, like, like, listen, Jeff, we're saying yesterday, snakes, you, you have to play the hand that's dealt to you, whereas auctions, you can go in and, and have your couple of players. I want to get two of these three players or something along those lines. But in, the, in this specific instance, I had a blast with the snake draft, and, and I don't see anything wrong with that. There's levels of strategy when it comes to doing a snake draft, just redraft format, and then there's a different level of strategy for Dynasty. 
adding that additional layer when it comes to the auction format is something I like. And generally, it goes in conjunction with prices being bumped up or down throughout a year too, which makes it less of a dynasty and more of a keeper, going back to what you're kind mm-hmm. of talking about, the focus point. But uh, Auto New is a different format that I like to use for Dynasty. There's a RotoWire one currently that we have in the office and also an expert one where there's a few RotoWire guys involved in that. That's where I see the auction Dynasty format come into play. But the aggressive uh, aggressive pri- price hikes make it more like it's a multi-year keeper format. Mm-hmm. So, that. so so how does that do salaries then in, in an out new league? So you, you're, you're doing an auction bid on it. Then every year afterwards, uh, you get bumped up $5 mm-hmm. and you get an auction an opportunity to price up an opposing player like Lamar Jackson uh, was pretty low, low priced last year. Somebody got him really early on. He didn't really bump up in his second year. And of course went off and had crazy mm-hmm. fancy stats. Well, you could put up to $24 on that player across all 12 different owners in your league. He got the maximum put on him. He got $24 bumped up. Yeah. That's so, so the price, the price hike is based a in the year and also in the owners. And in comparison to the snake draft we're doing, there's no, you get to keep these guys indefinitely for right. as long as you want. There's no draft penalty because basically every year we have a rookie slash free agent draft. Anybody that hasn't been kept um, and any rookies from the upcoming class and we'll do the draft that way. So like, you know, I, I took, uh, you know, I took Derek Henry in the first round. I, you know, I'm, I'm having second thoughts about that a little bit, but I had him at 12. 12 is a tough spot. I don't have to give up my first round pick to keep Derrick Henry. He's just mine for as long as as long as I want him. And, uh, and that's that. So that's a difference in kind of how you do the rules there. Something to keep in mind when you are starting up your dynasty league, there are, there are questions that are more or less answered when you are doing a dynasty format. How your pick trading goes in your ensuing leagues is very important. So I'll give you an example of my friends and family dynasty league that I'm currently in. We are going to have to implement a rule this year because I'm just so much better and smarter than all my friends and family where you cannot trade your first round pick every single year. I've been taking advantage of that, getting guys like Lamar Jackson, uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, and actually Saquon Barkley as well from unsuspecting owners when I'm saying, hey, two years down the road, give me your first round pick because I'm already projecting out what's going to happen at the collegiate level. Man, that's on them. I I would hate a rule (laughs) Like that. Well, I'm just saying you keep this in mind because I've heard about, especially in NBA dynasty leagues where you follow the NBA format, they can't trade their first round pick every other year. Though that rule in particular is very important. So so you've got a a group of people that you know you're going to go for it every year. Yes. Now, that's one big thing that when you're starting in your dynasty league, you have to decide okay, am I going to go for it and be competitive in the first couple years, or am I going to draft? Make a a surefire rule to draft all all type of young guys and um and and be competitive down the road, but consistently, even if it, that means giving up, you know, the first couple of years of competitiveness. Like, what, what's your uh, what's your thought process? I guess when when deciding that. Well, it's interesting. I mean, or we could let it, or you could wing it throughout I, the draft, but that's a little dangerous. I let the I let the board kind of play it out, especially when I'm doing these very first year drafts. Uh, so, for example, our RotoWire draft that we did, I started out with George Kill and Tyreek Hill. I thought two guys. I, well, I should say I picked at number 14, so 14 out of 14 teams. This is my luck. We This is random, and I guarantee you every single time, if it's random, I will be picking in the back four picks every time because my luck is so bad. And this applies to everything in life, essentially, but certainly when it comes to fantasy drafts. So I picked at the, the 14th spot. At the turn, I got George Kittle, Tyreek Hill. This draft, we didn't get a third-round reversal. That would have been great. I would have loved it a little bit more. Um, but I thought those guys, their value can be consistent whether I'm competing or not and will be mm-hmm. consistent for a while. So yeah. keep that in mind. And, and mm-hmm. of course, through those first 24 picks, 30 picks, you're probably getting guys that have value regardless. But yeah. 
that that goes back to your strategy standpoint. Well, and I mean, you took guys that I I wrote down some guys later and for later in the show where guys, man, he's younger than I thought he was. You know, you get those types of things, and Kittle's definitely that at twenty six. Um, for me, you know, I never like to go into a draft thinking. I'm just going to try to draft young guys and be competitive down the road. I always want to be competitive within the first two years, um, pretty much no matter what, because I don't know, unless you have the most loyal group of friends or loyal group of coworkers in the entire world here, do you really know that the league's going to be intact five years from now? There's no way to know that. A couple guys could drop out and that could shake up the whole dynamic of the league into something different. So uh, just for your own sanity's sake, set yourself up to be competitive early, man. You want to have fun with this. So, uh, you know, take some guys. And I, I definitely, with my first round pick, you know, Derek Henry, um, that's not a pick that you would make if you were trying to set yourself up for down the road. I was I was dialing in on Lamar Jackson, but he got sniped right before me here. So that'll, that'll, that'll be a good segue into our next topic, I guess. I was going to talk about this a, a little bit earlier, but you brought up Lamar Jackson. It's funny. We had done our very last podcast of the NFL season last year was planning out what the first round ADP would look like. Mm-hmm. And we had Lamar Jackson in that first 12. And I think a lot of people laughed at that or scoffed at the idea. Mm-hmm. You look at the ADP currently, that's actually holding up pretty close. And certainly in a dynasty format, we had Mahomes go eight overall, Lamar Jackson go 11 overall in this RotoWire draft. I'm seeing similar things in the other uh, dynasty league that I'm, I'm taking part in now. It's it's pretty crazy that this this Lamar Jackson hype has not won away, and I think if anything, it's more or less solidified with this offseason. Mm-hmm. So in standard redraft, uh, I'm going to come out and say this now because while we'll refer to ADP a lot over the course of the season, I think the best ADP to use, especially if you can get recent numbers, is a 12-team NFFC ADP. Yes, because those are people drafting with uh, a, a a decent amount of money at stake there. So I'm going to refer to uh, you know we. we put all different kinds of ADP on our site, but I think that NFC is the best by far. And uh, and to segue that in the quarterback talk, generally, I think in my opinion, and there's you know articles on this on the website, in my opinion, I think in dynasty formats, that at that elite tier of quarterbacks actually gets bumped up to earlier in the first round than in a redraft because Lamar Jackson, his ADP is about 14.95 in the NFFC, 15. And that's just a standard redraft, right? Yep. NFFCs are, are, are single season. And then uh, Patrick Mahomes is 15.9. So just a couple spots uh, later than that. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm fine with that in general. NFFC actually has a little bit of favorable scoring for uh, quarterbacks, I believe, but um, in dynasty, and it might just be unique to this specific year uh, for for starting up a dynasty, but you have two young players that we expect to be elite and battling for MVPs for a decade to come. And you don't get that every single year. A second or third year player, obviously Mahomes got his record-setting contract. Lamar Jackson, you know, as long as he can manage to stay healthy, he'll be in line for a contract like that as well. This is unique where, you know, normally the strategy in any redraft league is, you know, unless one of the top guys really, really slips, he can wait around till the end, kind of grab some middle-tier guys, maybe find the breakout, you know, Mahomes or Jackson in eighth, tenth round. Uh, But in the Dynasty League, when you can secure a guy like that for a decade, and remember, you can, especially in some of the formats we were referring to that are common, you can keep them at no cost for the next 10 years. If I can keep Mahomes at no cost for the next 10 years, he'll be a top five fantasy point score, raw points, in probably at least eight of them, eight or nine of them. There's value in that so he gets bumped up to the first round and we definitely saw that in our draft he's number he was taken number eight uh in our draft and uh, lamar jackson was number 11 and when you look at the dynasty rankings on our website we rank mahomes six and lamar jackson number 10 so that's definitely ahead of adp in a redraft league i'd say quarterbacks in general you can reach for them a little more just because of the the longevity a running backs you know they got a couple years 
in their prime. Receivers probably stretched out. Receivers and tight ends stretched out a little bit longer. Uh, but quarterbacks have a lot more longevity than some of those other positions, especially when you get one of those young guys that's going to be in the same contract, the same team uh, for for a, an extended period of time. There's yeah. huge value in that. Yeah, and it's... It, I thought a couple different strategies played out, which I would imagine for most users getting into Dynasty League format or drafting one this year are probably going to see it happen uh, across the league, too. This is a weird offseason. I understand that. But for the most part, there seems to be two directions. The Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are pretty obvious no-brainers. If you're going to take them, you're going to take them in the first round, early second round, and no one's going to argue about our quibble bob. But when it comes to literally any of the other quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Russell, uh, or I should say, uh, like even like a Baker Mayfield or, or Tua, there's a lot of young quarterbacks that I think have the yeah, they could, but thing going for them. And mm-hmm. I and I I want to emphasize this for the listeners. There's a lot of different directions you can go with those types of young quarterbacks. My thought process was much different than yours, so I'll kind of go mm-hmm. over. Well, I'll, I'll I'll toss it to you as to what yeah. you did with your quarterbacks first before I go to mine. Yeah, so I, was, I just wanted to mention that the other line of thinking is you could say, well, maybe I don't necessarily like the young quarterbacks this year. Um, and outside of the top twenty, you'll find guys like uh, we have Aaron Rodgers, eighteen among quarterbacks. He's thirty six years old. Drew Brees is forty one. Tom Brady forty two. You could try to get one of those guys for next to nothing later. In the draft because of how cheap they are and then maybe target a quarterback in the next uh in the next rookie draft the following year so that's another potential strategy uh you can use in in that sense so so with me um I had a tough time. I, I did. I did a balance here. I, there was a run on quarterbacks kind of earlier than I would have expected in this draft, and I ended up taking Dak Prescott in the fifth round after I had already got two running backs, two wide receivers, and and then I waited from that. I waited for quite a long time until the very end of the draft. I grabbed Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. Who I mean, I think there's nowhere to go but up for Darnold and Bridgewater. It's just kind of a, a space filler, just in case maybe he surprises me with Carolina. Maybe Carolina gets the first overall pick in the draft next year. That's entirely possible here. So I grabbed a good guy earlier, Dak Prescott. I mean, uh, a young player. He We have him ranked uh, fourth, actually, on our dynasty rankings. He's only 26. He's going to get a deal. And as long as he stays in Dallas um, behind, you know, at least for the next few years, we can guarantee probably a good offensive line. And, of course, he got the extension. So he's got a favorable environment here to uh, to continue to go. So uh, what, I, did you? Well, fourth among quarterbacks, right? He wasn't yeah. fourth overall. Yeah, fourth among quarterbacks. I was like, wait right. a minute. Why? Yeah. Wow, we, we might have to change yeah, some no, things. No, we didn't do that. Because like I said, uh, like uh, Mahomes was number six and Jackson was number 10 overall. Overall, course, right. Those are one, two. One and, and, two. and then we put Murray, you know, 22-year-old Kyler Murray going to run and gun with some nice new weapons there. He's number three uh, in, in a dynasty ranking. And then uh, and then we put Dak in there. And then uh, and Deshaun then Watson that, and Wilson. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Uh, and, and that's how that goes. So. Okay. Well, the, the reason I bring it up, you want quarterback five. And it's interesting you took Prescott there. I've told a lot of people already, whether it be radio, podcast, otherwise, there's two spots right now in a redraft league. Again, not dynasty, redraft, where I'm really struggling to figure out what to do. That fifth round is the first spot. And then around that seven or eight turn is the second spot. That's generally where I've been getting quarterback. So it felt like that's kind of the direction you ended up going with Dak Prescott. I don't really know what else to do. I'll go get my quarterback, the guy that seems to be in a pretty favorable spot. And he does. I mean, he's got CeeDee Lamb right now, too. Mike McCarthy, for all the hate that both you and I definitely have towards him, 
can field a passable passing offense with the guys he has. Yeah, well, and part of it for me is, uh, you know, the guys leading up to Prescott, that's when Edwards Hilaire, uh, Jerry Judy, Mostert, Ruggs, Darren Waller, those guys all got taken right before Prescott. And the guys right after Prescott, I wasn't crazy about Le'Veon Bell. I guess Marquise Brown's okay. Joe Burrow, Christian Kirk, Darius Slayton, uh, Mark Ingram. Like, those were the next guys to uh, to come off the board there. Or, you know, Robert Woods, Boyd. So I, I wasn't crazy about what was uh, necessarily next up uh, in that situation. So that's what prompted me to take the 26 year old quarterback figure Dak will be, you know, pretty productive for a, the next seven or eight years, at least assuming he gets that extension. And, uh, I, and then that's just one position I don't have to worry about. Uh, I don't have to worry about trying to grab one of these young guys in a rookie draft. I can devote it to the skill positions and, and just kind of move on from there. Yeah, I, I understand the thought process entirely. In fact, uh, Mari, who we keep talking about, but again, he is our, our resident dynasty expert and really does a lot of that coverage for us, really talked ad nauseum in his articles and his uh, his future articles that he's done about the dynasty series so far that the quarterback position is one that he's investing in heavily when he's doing the redraft. He actually took Kyler Murray third in the second round. I think it was pick number 22 overall if I'm doing mm-hmm. the basic math right. So he went aggressively high in the quarterback too. And and it's an interesting take. I went completely different direction. Here's here's kind of why. So Matt Ryan was my ninth round selection I just talked about earlier. I have problems or what I want to do in that eighth, ninth round area overall. So that was my very first quarterback. That was the 12th quarterback overall. Matt Ryan probably a guaranteed top seven score fantasy wise this year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's fair to say. Yeah, and you've got a couple years of utility out of him. So. Yeah, okay. Uh, Drew Brees, quarterback twenty one. I get it. He's like fifty seven years old, super old. Probably not playing much more than this year. He's forty one. Yeah, you got one year at best. See, the only thing you did there with yourself is now you're going to have a tough decision at quarterback every week. Well, that's true. And I added on to that with Ben Roethlisberger, who was quarterback 29 in our Rotowire draft. And then I followed up finally with Jared Stidham, who I thought maybe was ended up going to be starting. Of course, Cam Newton signed with the he Patriots. He might be one of your cuts for yeah, uh, it's, you know, it, waiver wire time. It was the one. third to last pick of the draft. Why not take a gamble on a guy that could be a starter? And this was well before Cam Newton. So. Yeah, we, we did this draft actually, what, a couple weeks before the NFL draft itself. So we really had no idea where any of these players were going to end up going. So that's that's a different question in itself. I went with the older quarterback thought process and drafting those guys, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, A, because the value felt pretty, uh, pretty, really great. I mean, Matt Ryan as quarterback 12 is fantastic if I wanted to compete in the next two to three years. The Mm -hmm. second reason, and this kind of goes why I took Drew Brees at quarterback 21, if there's an injury, especially this season, I can take advantage and trade away one of these guys that I might not have much value for, but certainly could for the people that might be starting, like DJ, for example, um, when Gardner Minshew, Drew Locke, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason as four quarterbacks all back-to-back, and that was his starting four. Like, What happens if Gardner Minshew or or, or Drew Locke don't do what they're supposed to do? Okay, Drew Brees makes a lot of sense to be – Trade bait. So I yeah, I like to do right. a lot of trade value, like trade stuff, especially this season. You didn't. We didn't stress it enough. Well, one, I, I'm not necessarily sure we do it for the trade reason because trading in fantasy football I've always find incredibly difficult. But I do want to go back to your original point uh, that having that depth this year is going to be more important more than ever. I mean, DFS is going to be absolutely bonkers this <laughs> yes. year. You're going to have to check your lineups every single morning after inactives because someone. 
I forget what what show was mentioning this, but if you walk into the stadium with the temperature, uh, you're not going to get to play. Unless you're the Marlins. Unless you're the Marlins, of course. Yeah. (laughs) We can can talk about that. (laughs) There are quite a few Florida teams in the NFL, so maybe we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you walk in the stadium with the temperature, chances are you're going to be a late scratch. You'll end up on the inactive list. And, you know, if that happens to Matt Ryan or Drew Brees, you can just flip-flop. And I have a little bit less, you know, flexibility in that situation because if that happens to Dak, then I'm going to be scrambling, oh, boy, I use Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater this yeah. week. There was well, a third. Oof. There was a third reason why I ended up going this direction, and it's one I really want to focus on for dynasty purposes too. Mm-hmm. There are three to four first-round quarterbacks that come in every single year. Running backs, wide receivers, tight ends are always going to have more value at the top, right? Like you look at mm-hmm. just a rookie draft this year. It's Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, J.K. Dobbins. Then you probably go with any of the receivers, whether it be Judy, C.D. Lamb. You don't even work your way to Joe Burrow in a normal standard scoring setting mm-hmm. until probably pick seven or eight overall. Yeah, he's your QB two for sure. And Joe Burrow is like this year. one of the more can't-miss quarterback prospects, mm-hmm. prospects that we've seen in some time. I get it that he only did one year, but like this is a guy that most people think is legit, and I think legit being top 15 fantasy scoring quarterback. They're easy to get in a non-quarterback flex like or super flex mm-hmm. kind of thing. I see. I don't know. I'm looking at the class for next year. Trevor Lawrence, number one. Everyone gets that. And then after that, we go Justin Fields, Sam Howell, Mikhail Cunningham, Dylan Gabriel. I'm taking these from our Debbie rankings on yes. the website here. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not as deep, deep into college football as John and Mario are, but not a whole lot there excites me besides the Lawrence. Well, see, I I think even Justin Fields as number three, right? We have him in our Debbie, or is he two? He's number two. I can't get excited about an Ohio State. Uh, okay, guy. well that's that's a different that's a different thing altogether. And of course, you who took Jonathan Taylor uh, at pick sixteen overall, wherever it was, yeah, I can mm-hmm. see where you might get the a little bit Big Ten bias. But what I'm saying is, you can normally find these quarterbacks, I think, pretty high. And there's always going to be a team that reaches for a first round quarterback and therefore puts mm-hmm. the extensional value on those yeah. guys more than maybe they deserve. Mm-hmm. I think of like a Blaine Gabbert or, yeah. uh, you, boy, I'm thinking of the the Bills quarterback too that flamed yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> EJ Manuel. Thank no, you. I oh got boy. there. Yeah, exactly. Right, and that pushes value down the rest of the draft board, which I you can find those quarterbacks one. later if you are just doing a rookie draft or like what we are doing with Rotowire, yeah. incorporating some of the late late free agent guys. Yeah, and of course you always have to adjust your strategy on on the draft board, and that's where that's why I landed with Prescott just because. I didn't like what else was there at the time, so and, and I went through that. So uh, that's enough about quarterbacks. Um, you know, I have some thoughts on running back wide receiver balance, and and I think I go against the conventional wisdom in that. Um, uh, you know, we definitely want to discuss that. I think the general consensus line of thinking here is that wide receivers you want to place a little bit more value on early because, because they're, they're safer. Because they're safer, exactly. Because their prime is going to extend five, six, seven years, and the prime of a running back, you know, you're talking three, four years at best necessarily. So that's in my situation. I like to go against the grain to probably take advantage of this line of thinking. I went running back, running back in my first two rounds because, like I said. Earlier at the start of the show, I want to go for it within these first couple of years, and getting some elite running backs is going to be key for that. And I, I mean, my thoughts on Jonathan Taylor, I think he has tremendous first-year value and excellent long-term value as well. Behind that line in Indianapolis, yeah, there's Marlon Mack there, but I think the line, and he's just more talented than Marlon Mack. Yeah, you know? and Marlon Mack probably doesn't have his contract extended past this year. So while exactly. he might while it might hurt you this year, I agree with you. I think Jonathan Taylor is probably, yeah. I wouldn't have taken him that early. Obviously, I had mm-hmm. the opportunity to. Like it, when it's Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, yeah. and Jonathan Taylor, mm-hmm. well, you take Jonathan Taylor. But even guys after Aaron Jones, Travis Kelsey, 
uh, A.J. Brown, Joe Mixon. Those guys, I, I think, well, maybe not Aaron Jones, but at least Kelsey, A.J. Brown, and Mixon, I have value to. But yeah. your point remains mm-hmm. about kind of trying to get that guaranteed production out of the running back spot yeah. because – People take receiver because it's safer. I mean, that mm-hmm. it's easier to project long-term what a wide receiver is going to do than a running back. This is yeah. facts. Yeah, my, I mean, my big thing in the first round was I was between Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams, right? And I ultimately selected Henry because of uh, the positional scarcity and, and the tier that he could be in and the upside uh, – for early on. So I went running back, running back early to try to take advantage of two good guys. Henry, I believe, is up for extension, is going to get an he extension. Got a contract he got, extension. He got yep. his contract, you're right. Yep. So, you know, he's going to be good. So for the next three years, you know, basically through the end of Jonathan Taylor's rookie contracts, I've got RB1 and RB2 set, and I'm confident that these are top 10 running backs uh, indefinitely. And then in my opinion, I use most of my darts in the later round on uh, – on rookies, yeah, you know, I took some. Uh, I, I I stretched a little bit, but like I feel like you can throw darts at rookie wide receivers a lot more and later. And maybe if if one or two out of your six hit, then you're then you're going to be a stud, and then you can always count. You can always target the rookies in your uh, wide receivers in your next year redraft. So I went against the grain to get value at running back early, and uh, kind of went quantity over quality with receivers. And I know that's against the conventional line of thinking, but I think there's room. There's a margin of profit there here if if you're kind of zigging when the other owners are zagging. Oh, yeah, I, I, 100%. And and I thought you were able to effectively do that. You look at the rest of the teams that had two running backs, Chris Liss, who picked in the middle of the first round, ended up getting mixed in the second round, and then Kenny Drake in the third round. He's already went on record even this past podcast yesterday saying he didn't really like Kenny Drake all that much. But at third round, you have to go ahead and go that direction. Elvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette was the other, uh, other combination of two, uh, three running backs or two running backs selected in the first three rounds. I like the Taylor Derrick Henry combo over that one. And then mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, we did play PPR format in this Rotoware League. That one makes more sense to focus on Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. But look, it's taken him three years to even be a guy that could be the main back for the Chargers. And of course, that's a conversation for a different day. So, all being said, your zigging over zagging thing, I, I think it ended up working out pretty well, even mm-hmm. with Taylor maybe going a bit higher. And again, we did this draft before we saw anything with the NFL yeah. draft itself. Yeah, if you flash back to before the NFL draft, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, for most, was the number one you would rank before knowing anything about team Well, contest. I think we were actually, Rotoware, we were the only ones that were really putting Taylor first. Yeah, it was it was more it was more DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins, mm-hmm. and you could even kind of work your way into a Cam Akers, which I saw Maurice Jones Drew stupidly try to suggest he's better than Jonathan Taylor. That's baloney. I can tell you right now. Yeah, uh, it's not just the mass and bias. I can guarantee you that Jonathan Taylor's a better player. Mm-hmm. But we, I mean, Taylor was close. I think a lot of people argue Jerry Judy, Ceedee Lamb, one A, one B, when the rookie receivers. Mm-hmm. I believe the same argument could have been made for the rookie running backs: Taylor, Dobbins, Swift. In that conversation. I I have to say all this because I took DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins in my third, fourth round turn because I was looking for those running backs, but I couldn't really go in my mind and say, hey, I need to go get a Derrick Henry in the first round. I need to go get Mm -hmm. a Joe uh, Joe Mix in the second round. It didn't work. Pick 12 just kind of stinks, you know? Yes, it does. I know. (laughs) You don't – the opportunity to get a sure thing at pick 12 or even pick 14, uh, you know, you, you have to inherently take on a little bit of risk in that because, I mean, just the draft, it went McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Michael Thomas, Elvin Kamara, Delvin Cook before the whole holdout thing we knew, Hopkins, Mahomes, 
Chubb and Jacobs, I guess maybe, you know, once you get to nine ten, there's a little bit of risk to take on, and then Lamar Jackson, and then and then you're kind of stuck. Yes. You know? So it's it's a rough spot to be in, but I think I made the most of it and I'm pleased with it. Yeah, and even in the the, the third round, fourth round reversal or, or uh turn I should say that I ended up going with you also have to factor in, are these guys going to be back when I'm picking? The answer was very clearly no. Mario outlined that he would have targeted either one of those players uh, at his pick in the fourth round. John on the podcast, I think probably a month and a half ago when this draft was pretty fresh, also suggested that was where he was going to go too. So I made the correct call in picking these guys as early as I did. Now, hindsight being what it is, I would much rather not have DeAndre Swift on this Lions team with Carrion Johnson and really a lot of ineptness mm-hmm. around the board, whether it be their head coach, their front office situation, their ownership. It's all kind of wonky. I, I would not want DeAndre Swift on the Lions, but DeAndre yeah. Swift, the player, love him a lot. Yeah, knowing team context now, I think I definitely put uh, Dobbins ahead of Swift. Yes, yeah, and I actually made a case on my Fancy Bites podcast with Jerry Donabedian, who is a Ravens fan, so maybe he had some bias, that I think Dobbins could actually be the number one overall uh, Mm -hmm. dynasty prospect of these rookies for his Mm -hmm. long-term value. Mark Ingram's contract could be up as soon as next year, so if Mm -hmm. you're talking about the starting running back for the Ravens, well, we saw how good Ingram was last year. And we can't assume Ingram's going to be Frank Gore, you know, when it it comes to... uh, (laughs) Yeah, there's only one Frank Gore. When it comes to the dynasty league, so you got maybe a couple years of of Ingram if he stays on that team, but again, being the number one running back on, on that Lamar Jackson team that has the highest run percentage and defenders have to devote that attention to Lamar Jackson creating those running lids for the running back uh, I mean that just that just bodes amazingly well for Dallas. I want to double back to your point about what position you find important when drafting just real quick because I, w- I want to kind of tie this up with a nice bow mm-hmm. you you look at the value of the running backs that we had in this draft and again this might not be the same for your your friends and family league if you're doing a dynasty one but I got Latavius Murray and Giovanni Bernard in the 14th and 15th round there's a lot of those types of guys Tevin Coleman in the 14th round uh even like a Jalen Samuels who in a PPR league has some utility you can get these veteran guys that maybe start for a week or two and then that's it you can cut them you can get rid of them you can use them for trade bait anything like that pretty later on so taking those risks those gambles on the rookies in that middle tier that fourth to 12th round that's really not middle in most leagues but mm-hmm. there's 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 a reason to go ahead and do that the other reason you're not going to be able to get these top prospects unless your team sucks, right? Like you, you're not going to be able to get the Jonathan Taylors next year unless you were one of the worst teams in the league or you're taking advantage of your friends like I do and trade for the first round picks. Mm-hmm. Those things are both hard to do. So I feel more comfortable saying I need to get the top running backs now because I will not be able to get them later on in drafts. Yeah. So I'm going to do good. And mm-hmm. of course, I'm going to do good in these yeah. fantasy leagues as opposed to the receivers. An interesting point I want to make to build off what you just said. Say you're in a 12-team dynasty league and you win your league. You're looking at the 12th overall pick in your rookie free agent draft next year. You're looking at Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rigor, A.J. Dillon, Zach Moss, um, you know, T Higgins, those are that those are the type of players you're looking at as a league winner right. here. So you can't necessarily count on on you know that top talent here and you're you're taking on a huge degree of risk with any of them. And really. this is an abnormally deep draft. I think mm-hmm. that you you would normally see those types of players who you listed off probably in that five to eight range in a 12-team league normally, especially if you're not counting the quarterbacks. But we've had a lot of utility from this draft in rookie formats. All this to say, again, those stud running backs are going to be very, very hard to acquire in a dynasty league early on because you're going to have to pick early on. Mm -hmm. Getting them right away in that draft, feeling a little bit more comfort, even if it means you get three to five years of production instead of a receiver that maybe gives you five to eight of guaranteed. Mm -hmm. That's the focus I would rather make, and I think – 
is a large mistake that people tend to do because they just yeah. value the consistency a receiver can give you. Yeah, go against the grain. I value that a ton. I really love the receivers that I ended up with. You know, we can talk about some more of those guys uh, a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I'd like the way to, to go, I think. I'd like to get to that first, but I, I want to read from our sponsors, FanDraft. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like an actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft draft clock, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft, boards, tr- draft board displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via projector or onto a large TV screen for the league to enjoy as well. It can be used fully online, and certainly that's going to be a valuable tool this year during everything COVID-related, and any number of leagues, league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform traditional and auction-style drafts. Fantasy or fan, fan draft can also support IDPs, rookie-only draft, keepers, and just about any sort of customization you might need for your league requirements. You can sign up for free uh, for free via FanDraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure to use the promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% off of your purchase. Again, that's FanDraft.com, and use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% when you go to that pro account. I know I'm going to be using fan draft this up season or off season for our drafts. And uh, definitely someone I'm going to be looking forward to, to, to being able to use as a utility in this, in these COVID related times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's talk a little bit more. You said the receivers, we kind of went over your team specific style uh, and strategies that you want for your quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but Overall, with this RotoWire draft, again, no one wants to hear about your draft, but I think this is a good focal point and tool yeah. we can use to teaching others about the fantasy draft yeah. strategy. Yeah. Let's t- touch on some non-rookies, and then maybe uh, we can each pick out a couple of rookies that we're looking at specific, maybe that fly a little bit under the radar here. I wanted to note at the beginning here, your top picks in a, in a dynasty format, exact same as a redraft here. You know, you got to go McCaffrey's 24 years old, Saquon's 23 years old. That's your one, two, and whatever your order of preference, whatever you want to commit to for the next uh, bunch of years. You know, those guys are in there. But then, you know, I I put some guys down here, some veteran players that, you know, when I was looking and researching my uh, dynasty drafts, uh, it's just... I wrote down players that are younger than I would think they are. You know, if, if someone asked me, hey, how old is Amari Cooper? I, I'd probably say, you know, before the draft, I said, I don't know. He's got to be getting pretty close to 30. Nope, he's 26 years old. <laughs> um, I, I, he just seems like he's been around longer th- than than he than his age would dictate. And Allen Robinson was another guy like that. He's 26. George Kittle, you did a great job with him at the turn. He's 26. Keenan Allen pushes that a little bit. He's 28. But I think I think people can get a crazy bargain on Keenan Allen in a dynasty format like this because he's getting closer to thirty. I still see five years of utility. This is PPR, I, I believe our format yes. was. Yep. Um, so and he, yeah, he loses he loses Philip Rivers and is looking at Tyrod Taylor maybe at some point Herbert. Uh, but I think people are overreacting a little bit to the downgrade in quarterback play, and I still think this is a team that's going to have to score a lot of points to main, to continue to maintain competitiveness, and and that means a lot of passing opportunities. I actually ended up with both Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry in this league, and I've got them for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, if Herbert turns out to be the real deal, then I'm sitting pretty for a long time. But those are some players that some veteran players that that stood out to me. Now, if you want a deeper dive on this, uh, Mario goes through uh, second year wide receivers, and just he goes through all these player tiers and does a, a super deep dive but those are just a handful of players that uh should be highlighted on your list because if you're using a regular you know espn yahoo draft room fan tracks whatever what have you cbs um you're going to get a generic list right uh and it's not going to necessarily be factored in for age or anything like that so those are just a couple guys that came to mind for me that are are younger than i would 
than I would think, and, I, and hopefully that's helpful for listeners. Yeah, you hit on on most of the key ones. I think Tyreek Hill also factors into that. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. he's 25 years old. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, that's pretty close. But the the one that always gets brought up, and I get bamboozled every time I think about Ronald Jones. Right, he's been in the league now two years. He's only 22 years old. He joined. He, he came in at 20 years old. So uh, uh, Vaughn, who was drafted this year, potentially to end up being the starter for the Buccaneers, is older mm-hmm. than Ronald Jones, and Ronald Jones has two years of NFL experience compared to what uh, Vaughn has. So that's another guy that just kind of adds that list of, oh, yeah, I, I, I continue to forget that they are that young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can make a big difference, not just for the production, but the growth, right? Literally, these are human bodies that are developing over time and trying to be more uh, at the NFL level. You can assume the peak of a physical person is going to be in that 25 to 30 range instead of that early 20 on range. So again, factor that in when you're drafting your players as well. You mentioned some like second year receivers or rookies mm-hmm. overall that you like. Did you want to yeah. go into that list? Yeah. Guys I love that, um, you know, aren't going to be as, uh, these are also guys that won't be as high on your standard cheat sheet. Um, you know, that ADP range are falling into fifth round. Some of them maybe a little bit later, but DK Metcalf, 22 years old. I think we all, uh, I wasn't quite sure of it coming into his rookie year. I was like, oh, he's the great physical specimen that's going to get all the highlights at the combine, but is he really going to show it on the field? To me, he showed it enough on the field, and he's going to be uh, excellent for the foreseeable future. I love Kelvin Ridley. I mean, everyone the, does right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. He's one of the hottest players. He's only twenty five years old. Um, another guy that I wanted to list, uh, Michael Gallup. He's only twenty four years old. He came in. I mean, he was one of the highest pedigrees receiver pedigreed receivers of his class and i think people are starting to forget about him because of course dallas got cd lamb and they have amari cooper here but i think that this is there's going to be enough to go around um in that offense and 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 michael gallup uh also he's another player that i think there's only a year or two left on michael gallup's contract His contract is up next year and with the cd lamb selection it's it and with the contracts that they have to Mm -hmm. dole out plus dak prescott it's more than likely Mm -hmm. that gallup is not going to be a cowboy pass this year yeah it's and I think you can actually take advantage of that because, again, a dynasty league, you have to think you're in this for the long haul or at least to some degree. Um, you know, if three, four years, two, three years even, Gallup could really elevate his game and become one of the top players in the NFL. So I think he's one you have to look at. And uh, I won't beat this one too hard, but don't forget about Nicole Hardman, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, the uh, John and Mario are the leaders of the Michael Hardman <laughs> yes. uh, fan club, but I, I would be uh, I'd be ashamed if I didn't if I went an entire dynasty podcast without mentioning the 22 year old Michael Hardman. Just because Sammy Watkins is there right now doesn't mean that he'll be there next year when the Chiefs have to pay the Mahomes and Chris Jones contract. And oh, by the way, Hardman's only 22 years old yeah. and will be going with arguably the greatest quarterback we could yeah. see for some time. Yeah, to me, it doesn't it doesn't have anything. To me, it, there's just Watkins doesn't have anything to do with Hardman being useful. I mean, when you have that offense where, you know, Mahomes can can run with it, they're going to have a decent running game. And then you've got Kelsey and Hill to worry about. Mario and John illustrated this perfectly. You're going to use so many of your defensive resources on those guys that Hardman's going to get his deep looks and uh, is going to continue to learn, continue to progress. He's, a, he's an excellent dynasty target. I want, to, I want to quick see where he went in ours. Uh, seventh round pick uh, in ours. So, uh uh, to Ben, to Chris Benzie, an excellent pick there. So can't can't give enough love for this guy, especially in a dynasty format at 22 years old. Yeah, Zine had actually a lot of great picks, and we you hear his name a lot because he does a lot of different drafts, whether it be baseball, football, everything else, and he always ends up being a good drafter. So his team, you look at that Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, that was the one-two running back combo. He also got DJ Moore, CD Lamb, Christian Kirk, and Michael Harbin as his top four receivers. I liked that team. I liked that team from the beginning, and I, I don't know. Like it's It only, only feels like it's gotten better throughout the offseason. I do want to add two more names to that list, and, and maybe I'm patting myself 
on the back just a little bit, but Curtis Samuel is going to be a four-year player. He was really a three-year starter for the Panthers, fourth year now. Uh, he's only 23. He's going to be 20, turning 24 the start of this season. The Panthers have thought about shopping him. I'm not sure what his value is with Teddy Bridgewater, like but Curtis, Curtis Samuel is going to be 24. Marquise Brown is the other one, and I drafted him in the fifth round of our draft. He just turned 23 going to be located with Lamar Jackson, who I think is going to be a quarterback uh, that changes the NFL landscape for the next 10 to 15 years. He only had 50, he had under 50 catches last year and almost had five or almost had 600 total yards. He was injured for most of the year. I think Marquise Brown is going to be the guy that only grows. Like if we're talking about Michael Harbin as a value, Maurice Brown or Maurice. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hollywood Brown feels like he's an even better part of that equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely in on that here. Uh, so the next group of guys that I want to uh, I want to touch on are some of your deeper sleepers, and I think you hear this term maybe a little bit more in baseball, but you're kind of post hype sleepers. Yeah, these are guys that I bet you I'm going to say some of these names, and and people out there are going to groan undoubtedly because they've all been burned by one of these guys in the past. Anthony Miller at 25 years old, he's one of them. Uh, Corey Davis at 25 years old, and John Ross at 24 years old. Every, I mean. If you've played in multiple fantasy leagues every year, there's a very good chance you've been burned by these guys at some point. But their price is so low in dynasty formats, you're getting, you know, if suddenly they decide to boom, you're getting a good stretch of guys for for next to nothing. And uh, I, I think the upside is just too much to ignore those. Those are names I'm highlighting on my draft list. Maybe they just need a slight change in opportunity, a slight circumstance change, a Maybe it's as simple as staying healthy for a year, but all of those guys uh, are are very viable in dynasty formats. And if you discount them just because they've burned you, you're going to miss out on guys like Devontae Parker or even Brashad Perriman in his run last year. Like, oh uh, yeah, Perriman's a good example mm-hmm. of that. I, I'll throw one more in there, and we, we've only seen one year of him. The Cardinals definitely utilized him not the way you'd anticipate. Maybe it's just my Madden love for him, but Andy Isabella was a pretty high selection for the Cardinals last season. Certainly has the speed to be capable uh, threat, and he was kind of compared to a better version of Deshaun Jackson, which I think is an attractive thing to have for fantasy, whether it be standard scoring or PPR. Yep. That makes less of a difference now with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk. Best corner is covering DeAndre Hopkins, right. which is perfect for the younger guy to come in. Cardinals have to use in the right way, but you talked about Perriman as a great example. He really broke out during these last eight games, and, and Devontae Parker, to some extent, has now solidified his value after his run with the Dolphins finally. I think Andy Isabella has that post-type sleep to him as well, along with the names that you mentioned. Corey Davis, I thought, was a, a pretty good category as well, and I, I keep talking about the guys I drafted. There's a reason I drafted them. I took Corey Davis right after Curtis Samuel. It's because, well, if things work out the way that we all thought they would when they're going to be drafted, he's a super talented player. I don't think the offense works. I think it's going to be just A.J. Brown and just Derrick Henry. But just Mm -hmm. if the off chance Henry were to get hurt, and I know that would be horrible for you, uh, you're talking about a guy that they would have to pass. Like I mean, there's, there's no other option. They would have to pass more. A.J. Brown gets some of that utility. I think Corey Davis would get bumped up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I, even with Ryan Tannehill, you know, the quarterback situation maybe only being stable for a handful more years. Actually, they extended him too, I thought. Yeah, but, they did, but it was it was more like a two-year extension. I think it ended mm-hmm. up being billed as a five-year, but you know how they go. They Four-year deal worth $118 million. They put that money at the back end where they can cut them. guaranteed. Yeah. It, it was know, like a two. Two was fully guaranteed. So, yeah, it was just over those two years. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Yeah. I, I this is this is an argument I've had in my my chats with my friends. Tannehill will not be the starting quarterback by of the Titans in twenty twenty two. Well, they're gonna have to draft someone because the the depth <laughs> doesn't look uh, it doesn't look so great there. Yeah, here. especially after losing Marcus Mariota too. Not like he was a, a super value. Mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on real quick before the end of the show. Is there any guys that you are are super in on buying right now? 
from a dynasty perspective of these rookies or selling one or the other mm-hmm. i think we probably have time for at least two names each. yeah we can we can name a couple i'll start with one of the guys that i took in um that i took in this draft that i was high on coming out of college going into the draft and i like in particular now and um i don't know if he's that far under the radar but i think he's outside the general top five consensus and that's michael Pittman. Of the Indianapolis, I love him too. I love his. uh, I mean, just watching his USC film, his body looks NFL ready. He looks like a player that uh, you know maybe won't crush you with speed, but is hey, it's serviceable enough, and he can go up and out physical you uh, to get these balls. And uh, Philip Rivers going to the Colts, I think that makes uh, you know an excellent combination here for Michael Pittman. Here, I think he'll jump in and be number two on the depth chart behind T.Y. Hilton. But uh, Pittman to me. It gives me a uh, a Mike Williams kind of vibe, and uh, you know Philip Rivers down seven with the length of the field, he, <laughs> his uh, his um yeah that that's kind of his mo. He's going to throw those balls up to Pittman, and if they can build trust and chemistry early, um you know that's a good one. And I know a lot of people are are concerned about rookies in general this year with less camp time, less contact, less preseason time. You know, there's been rumors about what's actually going to be reported regarding who's running with the ones, who's running with the twos, that kind of thing. But uh, Pittman was a guy that I liked his film coming out of the draft, and I like it even more now that we knew, know his destination. Yeah, that's a that's a really good name to to talk about. And actually, uh, I, I've had this on the Ask an Expert feature a couple times. Who are some rookie receivers you like? And I've kind of said. None of them. I I don't feel great about the, any of those receivers really getting the connection with the quarterback that you'd anticipate. I mean, even in in normal seasons, it's traditionally unexpected for a rookie receiver to do great things. Last year was the exception to the rule with so many of those guys doing well. Mm-hmm. This year, with what you would imagine to be, and again, we don't know for certain, but I have to imagine there's going to be less practice time, less reps with the quarterback to rookie receiver ratio mm-hmm. going on, that they're going to take a steep fall off. The only rookie receiver that I really like with his ADP right now, and this is more of redraft, I think CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy long-term have the talent mm-hmm. to do great things, but Justin Jefferson with the Vikings behind Adam Thielen is the only guy that I really kind of like from a rookie receiver. And you look at his ADP right now in redraft and certainly in dynasty too, it's it's in the point where I, I feel comfortable saying talent-wise, Jefferson can do a lot, whether it be in the slot, whether it be outside. I think he has the speed to do a lot of different things for the defense. And you look at one wrong thing for Dalvin Cook, whether it be his holdout, an injury, anything like that, that offense is almost entirely based off of passing, and Thielen can't get everything. Maybe the two tight ends do something, Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. I don't know. I think Jeff- Justin Jefferson can be able to easily retain his value for years to come. So that's yeah. one of the names I like. He's an interesting player, 140 ADP in the NFFC right now, currently on the reserve COVID list, which we just yeah. added to It just happened two days ago, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was like, oh, great. This is the guy I'm talking about. This is this is how it's going to go, I feel like. Anybody, anybody I'm super excited about, so here is it fun. is. Can, can we throw some love to our Badgers and, and Quintess Seafest for dynasties? <laughs> you can get him as one of your last three picks in the draft. And um, when you talk about big physical body and and hands and just uh, just his potential is through the roof, I think he's going to be able to find a way to be relevant in, in single redraft leagues over the next couple of seasons. Again, probably more of a purely dynasty play, and I'm not necessarily sure that outside of Wisconsin uh, he'll be taken – in redraft leagues, but I think you got to throw him on your dynasty board as well. You really dug to the bottom of the barrel. They're going to embarrass me here because the other name I was going to mention was Devin Duvernay. 
the receiver yep, for I the like for him. the Ravens. And I mean, like we have him ranked rookie twenty four, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be good value. But you're like, here's the very bottom. <laughs> I'm going to scrape it out with Quintez Cephas. Anyway, I had, I had to throw my Badger love on. Yeah, here. okay. You know, I've, I've spent the last five days moving residence in, in, <laughs> in Madison, and so sometimes part of me is like, okay, I'm going to lean on anchor what I know. And what I know also is that I like DuVernay too. I think ah, we're, we're all yes. Jerry, John, like all, all we're we're big DuVernay fans here at Rotowire. I like his uh he's got that compact build that's perfect for the NFL and perfect for the Ravens when, you know, especially you know, I'm speaking in generalizations here, but you know, when teams are using short passes more than runs more often, DuVernay fits that mode ex- exactly. He'll take screens and, and make one cut and get upfield. And uh, I think there's there's he had hundred and six catches. hundred and six mm-hmm. catches last year yeah. and you don't get that kind of production, even if it's a one-year sample, which essentially was mm-hmm. what he did. Like I, You don't get that kind of production without being a talented yep. player. I would love, if you said right now he's going to be the starting slot receiver for the Ravens and, and bump out Willie Sneed, I'd be like, oh boy, uh, eighth, ninth round selection, that's how high yep. I am. And in a dynasty format, you can get him even in rounds 12 yep. and later. Like this dynasty, much less redraft. So mm-hmm. I'm all in on, on him. His catch rate's exceptional. Just watch the Texas film. You can see the explosiveness there. It's really easy. Yeah, okay. All right. So we have... Uh, DeVernay, we have Cephas, we have uh, – oh, wait, who, you also brought up oh, – I brought up Justin Jefferson. Who's the other guy that you brought up as, as that you're buying on? Oh, for, uh, for, for receivers? For receivers, yeah. Pittman. Pittman, okay, yep. yeah. Is there any running back that you're selling? Like, I mean, we talked about all these positives. There's got to be a negative running back right now, right? Yeah, I'm a little low on uh, Cam Akers just okay. because I think he's a guy um, – and maybe in Dynasty he'll end up okay, but I think he's definitely – outside of that top two tier of running backs. And I also, you know, you get that coach speak going on where Akers is going to, you know, take carries in 2020, get so many of them. I think where he's going to get, you know, we listen at the top of the depth chart right now, even on our website, and I I kind of disagree with that. I, spe- I especially think that early he might get like the Daryl Henderson treatment last year. Remember mm. when Henderson was yeah. was moving up to like the fourth, fifth round of draft boards and people uh, people were just going insane about him, and then he was just used so sparingly. I think we start to we see that with Acres this year, where we get the Henderson Malcolm Brown show a little bit, especially Malcolm Brown in the red zone maybe a little bit more, whereas Henderson would be more of the open field guy, and Acres kind of sifts off. Now again, we're talking dynasty, so. You got a couple more years to return value there, but uh, you know if you if you throw out year one and and have some uncertainty after that, like I don't know what do you, what do people think about Daryl Henderson this year? This could be what you're thinking about Cam Akers next year. So I'm a little low on him. If I you know if I don't get into that top tier of uh, you know Dobbins. It's, to me, to me, it's Taylor Dobbins, Clyde edwards Lair, and, and Swift is creeping into that tier. You can probably put him in the t- in tier two, and then there's a pretty wide gap between Acres and tier three. Yeah, I I agree with you, and and Swift is completely down. Like I have a tier one of Taylor, Clyde edwards Lair, Dobbins, Dobbins in dynasty format. I think is even one, and then mm-hmm. Taylor's one B, and then edwards Lair's two yeah. out of that grip. But the second tier is really just Acres and Swift, and that third tier is just a bunch of uh, mush, in my opinion. And and I want to bring this up because. I really am not buying into Zach Moss, and I think I'm the only one in the Rotoware office that is comfortable saying this. So I guess I'll get out there right now on the podcast here, as we have all you listeners ready to document me when I'm wrong. Of course, I I I, I have been on board with Devin Singletary yes. as a guy, and I and he ended up proving it last year, much to the chagrin of a lot of different people who thought he was going to be a failure. If Zach Moss is just going to be entered in as the Frank Gore light, I guess a 
40-year uh, younger version of Frank Gore, you're talking about maybe getting 300, 400 yards total, and Singletary ends up being a factor. Mm-hmm. Singletary is also the receiving back out of that group, much more than Moss. And yes, great, it's 5'9", 223 pounds. It's no Eddie Lacy, but certainly a bruiser. That works in Buffalo. I get it. I just think Singletary is far more talented, and you watch the tape from what Zach Moss did in college. I wasn't really convinced that he is anything more of a rumbling, bumbling, stumbling kind of guy, and much less of that is really needed in the run mm-hmm. in the running game in the NFL now. Derrick Henry is the exception to that rule, and God, I hope A.J. Dillon is too, mm-hmm. but I just don't know if Zach Moss really fits what we're looking for in NFL in 2020. Yeah, I agree with you, and it's not necessarily Zach Moss hate, but Devin Singletary love average 5.1 yards per carry last year caught 29 of his 41 targets so a pretty decent uh, catch rate uh, but he did have five drops so there's always a little room for improvement there and that's only across 12 games so I love what I saw at a Singletary last year I think he's going to continue to get better I think this Bills team will get better it's going to hinge on Josh Allen of course trying to having to improve that accuracy which is no guarantee uh, as a whole because we want them to be in positions to run the ball but uh, but yeah I think Devin Singletary who It'll be on the second year of his rookie deal. I love him way more uh, for dynasty purposes, and you'll pay the price for that too. But uh, yeah, for those same reasons, we're, we're agreeing too much. We're going to have to talk about some things to uh, <laughs> Well, I'll just bring up all the Culver's bets that I won from last <laughs> yes, year, and we can go exactly. ahead and get through I know. that. We didn't even get to go to Vegas this year for me to pay those back, so I think they're gonna, those beers are going to earn interest. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just push it off till next year. Hopefully, we can we can go ahead and enjoy that. Well, mm-hmm. that does it for us, I think, on, on most of the topics. We kind of ran over the strategy, gave some names at the end that we love and don't love. Um, I, of course, we're going to be going over all this stuff. And again, when it comes to the NFL season, this is probably the podcast to listen to because we're going through all the free agent pickups. COVID changes a lot of things. The information might be different from one day, from one hour to the next. Uh, but you know, we'll do the best we can. I'm looking forward to kind of sticking this out and, and going through what's going to be a crazy NFL season with you, Jake. Yeah, this is going to be a crazy year. Just a reminder, we'll have Jeff and a guest on tomorrow. John and Mario Thursday. Andrew Scott are back for the DFS show on Friday. Man, DFS is going to be so nuts this year. It's but, always uh, my favorite. Listen, I, that's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I listen to all the Road Aware podcasts, but what, what uh, Laird and, and company do mm-hmm. on that Friday podcast is always a good breakdown for me. Yeah, and I know we went a little niche with this topic today, but uh, feel free to fire us off any topics on Twitter. Um, I feel like doing quarterback tiers, running back tiers, wide receiver receiver tiers it's the same as every other podcast out there and also that information can change a lot uh in two weeks so i thought we'd go with a little bit more strategy general concept on this one if you like it if you hate it let us know and uh and we're always really willing to work with the listeners so yeah and i i should say the rotoware nfl magazine should be coming soon right i think you're getting word from up top that it's i know i there's only like there's less than five of us in the office right now but i found pete <laughs> And he tells me they're at the shipping company. We just got to go pick up boxes. So uh, hopefully we can get those in the mail for you guys pretty soon if you subscribed and have one of those magazines. Well, I was going to say our offer still stands from last year, too. You let us know. Send the receipt uh, of the app that you did last year, and that'll be mm-hmm. something that we can definitely find your find find to you if you want. So <laughs> You mean uh, the, what, what you – so, so what I did last year yeah. is um, I, if you rate and review the podcast yes. and send us a screenshot, I'll send the first 10 I get a magazine. Easy enough. Yeah. All right. So that that will, of course, when we get the magazines in the office, and hopefully it'll be as soon as this week, that will start up. But we'll, we'll have, update you next Tuesday. I have a it. digital version for Rotowire subscribers. Um, the only thing is that like the print version was a little bit delayed this year because things were in limbo for a little bit. Right. But we got one out that's ready to go. And like I said, hopefully you made it through the show and are listening this long. But give us a rating and review. <laughs> I'll send you a magazine. DM me on Twitter, and, and I'll take care of you. Excellent. You That's can follow at Roto, yeah, at Roto Jake. I was going to say you can follow Jake at, at Roto Jake and my or my Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. Until next week, see you later.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.